personality types, right? We, there's many types of personalities in this very room there uh, that we could uh, sit down and, and talk about and, and enjoy. And, and, and most, there's, uh, I mean, they're all enjoyable, right? We all have enjoyable personalities and we have all, all have parts of our personalities that may not be as enjoyable to some people. They're generally fully enjoyable to the one that has them, but they're not always that enjoyable to those around. But we all have different personality types. We all come from different uh, backgrounds. We all have different abilities. We all have different interests. And this is especially for those uh, true for those in, in, in ministry, when you think about it. Think about all of those uh, men and women out there that labor in ministry. Think of all of those men out there that pastor. Think of all the missionaries out there and the different types of personalities that God calls up and uses uh, in, in the ministry. It's very interesting to me to watch this and to watch how God uses different people. And believe it or not, I mean, your own pastor is a little different. I don't know if you figured that out or not, and uh, different from some people, different from different from others, obviously that have uh, been in the ministry before me. I'm thinking of, uh, I mean, just thinking. Of, I mean, it, brother, I'm sorry, brother Davidson, you came tonight. This is what happens. I'm sorry, but look at the differences. He's like a grandpa. He smiles when he talks. He says things in such a way that's like, wow, that's so nice. How do you say it like that? I don't. I don't come out like that at all. That's just. That's so disarming. That's so just, I mean, it's so, I like it. There's so much about, he smiles probably more than I do. You know, he's just got that nice, uh, you, you really do, yeah. Only about an inch or two taller than me, you know, a little bit there. You know, there, the differences, right? Differences, yeah. A little, more, a little more educated, you know, maybe a year more of school than I had, or 20 more. Uh, started, what, started a school, started a college. Did you start a church or take churches? Did you ever start a church? Yeah, help start church. Look at all of this. I mean, I, I, I'm just, a lot of differences, right? I mean, look, look what I've done. Uh, not like a grandpa at all, right? And uh, and not quite that gentle yet, I don't think. Uh, more like a yappy chihuahua, maybe? Is that come? What? No? Okay, good. Thank you. I got it. Yeah. Started pastoring later in life. Started pastoring younger in life. What am I saying? Just differences. God, listen, God brings different people into ministry and he uses them where he wants them, right? It's, it's just what he does. It's a marvelous thing. It really is. We're all different. And God uses all different type of people to do all different type of things in his work. And when you come to the book of Nehemiah, you're going to see differences. You're going to see differences from it just let's think about it this way. We're going to see a difference between Ezra and Nehemiah. We're going to see a difference between the personalities, even between Ezra and Nehemiah. Brother Micah, could you give me a little more volume? I feel like I'm yelling and I can't hear me. A uh, little bit more differences, a uh, little differences between Ezra and Nehemiah. And no matter what the difference is, God has a place for everybody. He had a place for Ezra. He had a place for Nehemiah. And as as we move into the book of Nehemiah, I, I want to just tonight just show you real quickly 
some of the differences between Ezra and Nehemiah. And I'm going to make, there's an application here for us later on. Now, in the book of Ezra, there's really three main divisions that I see in the book of Ezra. The first division, the first thing you see in the book of Ezra, obviously, was the rebuilding of the temple. And I like that. Somebody has pointed out before that, you know, the, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to rebuild the temple before you be, rebuild the walls. It's a good thing to rebuild where, where God is before you come in and rebuild the walls. And I like that application that was made there. And I like, I, th- I, I think that's a good thing. We need to take care of the heart first and let the outside things take care of themselves. And that's great. Not to say the outer things don't ever take care of themselves. That's where some people go the wrong way. They, oh, just take care of the heart. And they never address the outward. And yes, it all needs to be addressed. But the order is right. The order is, is very important as well. And so here the rebuilding of the temple under, un, under Ezra, when the people of Israel were allowed to go back uh, to Jerusalem after the 70 years of captivity, if you remember, about 10% of that captivity actually returned, with, uh, uh, well, actually before Ezra even showed up. Uh, Ezra doesn't show up really in, I think, chapter 7 or 8 of Ezra. But about 10% of the people in Babylonian captivity took the deal from Cyrus and went back to Jerusalem and to uh, rebuild the temple. And it was their main objective to start again at the beginning with God. To start at the beginning. Watch this. The very first thing they did at the rebuilding of the temple is they rebuilt the altar first. It was the first thing. And I'm telling you this tonight, nothing else matters in what we're going to build and where God is bringing us and the, in the direction that God is moving our church. Nothing really matters in, if, if the heart is not yielded to God. We can do a lot of outward things. We can accomplish a lot of things. And uh, I think it was Watchman Nee might have said when he came, came to America, he realized how much could be done outside of the help and the aid of the Holy Spirit of God. I don't know if it was Watchman Nee, it might have been him or somebody else, but I remember remember hearing that. And what a what an observation that is. And it's true. I mean, we have the finances, we have the ability, we have the technology. Lots of big things have been built. And it's very possible. I wouldn't want to totally make an assessment there. But it's very possible. Many things have been built uh, in the flesh in the flesh with a heart unyielded to God. And, uh, the, in the, and, and this is the, one of the things that I really noticed in the building of the temple is that altar was built first and they restored the offerings and they restored the special holy days and began to rebuild the temple. And we, if you go through uh, Ezra and many in here are very familiar with the book of Ezra, you remember how that happened. They built the temple. And then secondly, they came, there's the, the building of the temple. Then secondly, there is that need for spiritual revival, right? Even people who want to do the will of God can get themselves into sin. Amen? It's possible. I don't know. Maybe maybe this week uh, you, you did it. Maybe, maybe this morning. Maybe on the way over here something happened. Listen, you have a heart for God. You have a desire for God. You have a desire to be in the will of God. But my goodness, sin creeps up at times. And when Ezra came on the scene, they have been building the temple, right? And he came on the scene. And all of these Israelites had, had went out and got marriages with these pagan women. And some of the chief offenders were the priests and the chief leaders of Israel. I mean, he just, he went berserk, right? He went absolutely crazy over this. He tore his clothes. He put ashes on his head. And I mean, he even got to the place where uh, he, he, he led the men to repent and he made a, 
made, made them make a covenant with God. They had to get rid of their wives, get rid of those children from those wives. And, uh, and the book of Ezra ends with the obedience, uh, the obedience of Israel. And so here it is. You see Ezra, uh, the, 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 the book of Ezra. Uh, here in the, in the in the differences, the rebuilding of the temple, the need for spiritual revival, and uh, and here Ezra brought that revival, helped Israel get to that place of revival. It happens with us as well, doesn't it? It absolutely does. After almost sixty years from the time that this group first left Babylon, sixty years to the time Ezra came up, the people in the land had drifted from God and were back in idolatry. Yeah. It happens. I mean, think about it. How many times have you drifted in your own life, in your own walk with God, in your own Christian life, right? You might be able to look at your life and say, even, even tonight, maybe somebody's watching online and can say, even tonight, they realize, yes, there was a time when I was closer to God. What is the Bible word? Backsliding. There was a time when you were closer. What does it mean closer? You did more things? No. There was a time when you loved Jesus more. The others come after that. The, all the other fills in. The outward stuff fills in. But I'm telling you, it, it's a heart thing. It's a heart issue. You ever remember a day when you loved Jesus more? You remember a day when you thought about him when you went to bed and you thought about him when you got up and you thought about him when you went through the day and it just brought joy to your heart? I mean, your world could fall, fall down around you and uh, you were still in love with Jesus. Oh, I'm telling you, the world's cruel and it, do, it does a work on us, doesn't it? doesn't it? Listen, we can get away from God. We can get backslidden the way we drift. And when God brought Ezra, there was a need for spiritual revival. And then the last division in the book of Ezra, we see here uh, the building of the temple, the spiritual revival, and thirdly, that God kept His promises. God moves kings. Did you know that tonight? That God moves kings. God moves those who have great power. God moves those who, who can uh, look like they can move the world, but no, God can move them. It began with Cyrus. What an, what an interesting thing. If you ever want to go online sometime at the, at the, uh, at the British Museum and you can find the Cyrus scroll. And within, written on that clay scroll, they have it there. As much of the edict uh, that Cyrus gave... In, which included Israel going back to the land. This is, I mean, I'm telling you, it's some of the greatest, greatest archaeological finds that we have. It's so interesting. Uh, but just a few years ago, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu was speaking before, I believe it was the UN, and he made this statement. It was fascinating to me. He said for 20, he's speaking about Iran at the time. Um, uh, oh, what was his name? At the time, the president of Iran, that, that he said... Uh, um, I can see his face. The last president of Iran. Boy, it's been quiet in Iran lately. Um, anyway, he, I'll remember it here in a minute. He made a speech, and I, the president of Iran was calling for the, the removal of, of Israel from the planet, you know, and had all sorts of things to say about him. And, um, and uh, Netanyahu made a speech, and he said, for 25, he said, since King Cyrus, for 2,500 years, Israel has enjoyed a good relationship with Iran uh, until uh, what's-his-face came in the 70s and uh, absolutely changed Iran overnight. 
absolutely overnight. And uh, But he said this, for 2,500 years, he mentioned King Cyrus. Since King Cyrus allowed Israel to go back, uh, allowed us to come back, for 2,500 years we had a relationship, good relationship with Iran. I thought, wow, that's interesting. History. History. God moved kings. He moved Cyrus. He moved Ahasuerus. He moved Darius. He moved Artaxerxes. God moved in the heart of kings to accomplish his will. Notice this, if you would, please. He moved in the heart of every king that had to do with Israel getting the temple rebuilt and the walls rebuilt and established back in Jerusalem. He moved every king until his will was accomplished. I'm telling you, he who has begun a good, a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God doesn't back off and say, wow, I didn't know that was coming up. Whew, I better regroup. <laughs> no, friend. Absolutely not. He is in control. Proverbs 21.1, the, the heart of the king. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water, and he moves it whithersoever he wills. Psalm 75, verse 6 and 7, it says, for, for promotion, promotion cometh neither from the east, nor for the, from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one. He setteth up another. Amen. God moves kings. He moves in the lives of kings so his will is accomplished. And what it means for us tonight is if if we will be in the, remain in the will of God, He will move kings in our life as well so that we can accomplish what He has called us to do, right? No, God can move in the life, uh, in, in, the, in the lives of the city managers of Nixa. He can move in the, in the lives of the city inspectors of the city of Nixa. He can move in the, in the hearts and the minds in the, uh, of the county assessor uh, in, in uh, Christian County, Missouri. And He has. I'll tell you about it later or not online. But boy, I tell you what, uh, God moved in that situation. He, 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 uh, he uh, showed himself mighty on our behalf uh, when he very well did not have to. And I'm thankful for that. And listen, God, God moves in the heart of kings uh, to accomplish his will. This is the book of Ezra, the building of the temple, the, the need for spiritual revival and God who keeps his promises. But the person of Ezra is what I want to get to, really. He was a scribe. He was educated. He took up the task of copying the Word of God. He was a scribe. He would have been, I believe, very detail-oriented. If you ever have time to look it up, what all, what all was involved in the copying of the Scripture, it is unbelievable the pains they went through to correctly copy the Word of God. I mean, I, the, the, um, if, if a, uh, certain mistakes meant certain things were started over, uh, certain mistakes meant, I mean, the whole scroll was started out, thrown out, and it was started over. When they would get to the name of Yahweh or Jehovah or whatever it was, I mean, pins would be put down and a new pin would be grabbed up. I mean, the, just the, and, and the pains they went through to, and the seriousness that they had with the Word of God. I wish we had the same seriousness. You know what I can't stand? When something gets put on a Bible. Oh. When somebody throws another book on a Bible or you got a plate of food on a Bible and I'm just like, it's the Word of God, man. We don't set something on it. I know it happens once in a while, but it's just, we've lost that seriousness and that, that seriousness of the Word of God. Amen. He was a scribe. He was a scribe. I think he would have had a great memory of the Word of God. 
I think he, it's possible, and we see from the life of Ezra, he had a great love for the Word of God. He had a great love for God. He was a priest. Uh, from what we can tell, he was, a, he was a direct descendant of Aaron. He was of the tribe of Levi. But we see also he was very emotional. Remember what I said when they got, he showed up after some years they had been back in the land, and he showed up and they had, they had married all these pagan wives? Go back to chapter 9 of Ezra, just a few pages back. Look what he does here. Chapter 9, look at verse 1. I want you to see the personality of Ezra. It says, Now when these things were, <clears throat> were done, the princes came to me saying, The people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to their abominations, even the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. It's like, have you not learned anything? Have you not just spent 70 years in captivity because of the rejection of the word of God? Right? And here they are again. Verse 2. For they have taken of, their, taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the prince, princes and rulers have been chief in this trespass. Right? The preachers are, have been the worst offenders. And then verse 3, And when I heard these things, I rent my garment and my mantle, watch this, and plucked off the hair of my head and my beard, and sat down astonished. Let me tell you something. Ezra was an emotional individual. Compared to Nehemiah, Nehemiah had some time, he's going to show himself too. But man, pull your beard and hair out. Yeah. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Sounds rather dramatic, but I, 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 did, I did have to think this, though, really. I wonder what our churches would look like if we responded this way to sin. I wonder what our lives would look like if we had this view of sin and this view of God's will and this view of God's sin as, as Ezra did. I, w- I was blown away the other day. I watched a video from Andy Stanley from 10 years ago. Yeah, 30,000 people membership. And uh, he gave a scenario of how, to, how they deal with messy situations in their church. And he gave this whole family situation, a man, a woman, uh, one child. They got divorced, right? And so here they're trying to figure out how to care for them. And so this man divorced his wife because he found another man. He goes, so now here we have the woman, the child, the man, and, his, and now his boyfriend. And they showed up to church. The boyfriend with this woman still going to church with her daughter. And he said, so I didn't realize. And he showed up and she told him, get out of my church. And they did. And uh, so they went to our other church at Buckhead. I'm telling you, I'm watching this. And they went to our other church at Buckhead. And we had a day to volunteer for service. So they went forward, both the man, the, the sodomites, went up to, to volunteer for service. And they got signed up. And uh, I found out about it. And, and so now we have a stick real tricky situation and it wasn't just the guy it was beyond just his his sodomite friend it was they were married they were you know they were married now and he said well now the problem is we have the man we have the 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 ex-wife we have the girl and but now boy now we're dealing with adultery what you're not dealing with adultery You're dealing with some sodomites in your church that you're allowing to stay there, calling it a a messy situation and trying to know how to minister them. No, how you minister them biblically is tell them to get out of the church. 
Uh, yeah, right. No, you can minister them outside of there, but to join a body, there, there's no place for a for a homosexual for a homosexual couple to be a member of a church, one of God's church. Uh, there's a mess. No, uh, no, no. I mean, I wonder what would happen if we sat down like Ezra with sin like this in a church and did what he did. It's obviously not being done today, friend. It's not being done at all. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's sick. It's sad. It's unbelievable. Twisted. Really, it is. But it can creep in our life too, friend. Yeah. What did Paul say? What were those great words? Inspired by the Holy Spirit of God? Take heed, lest ye fall. Amen. Yeah. So here's Ezra. Yeah. He's different. He's different than Nehemiah. Nehemiah is kind of like a sequel to the book of Ezra. When it opens up, we're about the year 444 B.C., somewhere in that time frame. It ends about 430 B.C., only about 14 years. Ezra, ever, Ezra covers a lot longer period of time. Nehemiah covers about 14 years. It's the last historical book of the Old Testament, uh, even though Esther does come after it, but it's the last historical book of the Old Testament. There's three main divisions of the, here of the book of Nehemiah. The rebuilding of the walls, the renewing of the covenant, and the reforming of a, of a nation. So what about Nehemiah the person, though? He's different than Ezra. Nehemiah was a layman. He wasn't a priest. He served a Persian king in a secular job. His experience was not in the law, his, of, the, uh, of, in the law of God. His experience was in a Persian court. His experience would prepare him, though, to lead Israel in the physical and the political reconstruction of Israel. God knew what he was doing. And as we'll see, Nehemiah is going to join forces with Ezra later in bringing the spiritual and political forces together. Nehemiah and Ezra. What am I saying tonight? Different. Different. Different experiences. Different expertise. Different temperaments. Different, different leadership styles, different responsibilities. Ezra was a priest. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Ezra was in the ministry. Nehemiah was working for a living somewhat. In bondage. Right. Different. Different. Yeah. But they were both needed in the work of God. They were both needed. They were both used by God. But I want to show you something that wasn't different about them. I want to show you something tonight that was similar. And this is very important here. Would you go to Ezra chapter 10 and verse 1? I'm going to show you something. Look how Ezra responds. Actually, if you would... Look at chapter 9 and verse 6. Remember he had just come back, found these guys marrying all these, uh, all these uh, pagan women. Look what he said about this in verse 6. He had already plucked his beard out and all that stuff. Verse 6. And said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. 
For our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespasses grown up unto the heavens. And he goes on and continues to pray to the Lord. Look what he says in chapter 10 and verse 1. Now when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. Turn over to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. And I just read this for you. It came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O God, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Look at verse 10. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's Cupbearer. Verse 7, we have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not de- uh, kept the commandments nor the statutes nor judgments was commanded thy servant Moses. Ezra, Nehemiah, very different except one area. They were both broken over sin. They were broken. They were broken over the condition of God's people. They were broken over how God has been dealt with, uh, how God has been ignored and set aside. They were broken. They both had the same heart and attitude toward the will of God and toward the word of God. The same heart and attitude over over sin. Isaiah 66 and verse 2. The Bible says, For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is of a poor, that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. God says, I notice that man. I notice that woman. Of all the priests in Babylon, of all the governmental employees in the same area of Babylon, God chose two very different men, but they had the same heart. The same heart. Reminds me of Second Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord search run to and throw throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. You see, Nehemiah had a heart to rebuild walls broken down by sin. Ezra had a desire to see the temple rebuilt that was broken down because of sin. Two different people with the same, type, with the same heart for God. And, and it was the heart that allowed God and moved God to choose those two. One of the, one of the I believe, the main reasons to choose them 
for what he did. So it would be a good time to ask ourselves the question as we're moving along here. Do we have a heart that God can use? I didn't specify in the way he would use us. That's different. That's just different. We all have our abilities and gifts that God has gifted us with. But what we ought to have all the same is, is the same heart for God. The same heart for the word of God. The same heart for the will of God. The same heart to to please God. You know, there's nothing wrong to wanting to please God. Right? I mean, isn't that one of the most normal things of a love relationship? Just to want to make the one you love kind of just have joy and, and do what they enjoy. I love it when my wife tries to make me happy all the time. No, no I, I try to. I'm just teasing. Once in a while. Seriously, though. Heart to please God. You know, as we move forward and build, there's so many things that are going to need to be done. There's a lot of things that are going to have to be done. There are things that are going to have to be accomplished. There's things that are going to have to all be on the same page. And God has equipped all of us to fulfill the role that He has for us and He's designed for us. But regardless of our abilities, regardless of our differences, may God help us to have this one thing in common, is that we'd all have the same heart for Him. Broken over sin. Broken over a world going to hell. even, Even just this afternoon, I've had to stop and ponder, am I really broken at the thought of those that are on their way to an eternal Christless hell? Am I really broken over that? Am I really broken over sin? Am I really broken over the backsliding of God's people? Am I broken over my own backsliding at times? Right. You know, when we get there, that God says, oh, man, I can use that. <laughs> I can use that. We're building. We're building. You have a heart God can use? No matter, listen, no matter how gifted you are, though, God uses willing and yielded hearts. I don't know if you remember back in Acts chapter 8, uh, Peter had uh, been preaching. He had laid his hands on, on those that had, just after coming out of Samaria. He was preaching in another place. Some people got saved, laid his hands on them. They received the Holy Ghost. And, uh, and, and here came that, that, uh, that guy. Um, oh, I'm forgetting names tonight. Anyway. He wanted to buy. He wanted to buy what Peter was doing. Right. He said, "Oh, this is great. Uh, I'll buy it. I'll buy it from you because I want to lay hands on people to receive the Holy Ghost. That's like real stuff, right?" And uh, Peter says, "Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter." What did he go on to say? For thy heart is not right in the sight of God. It was a heart issue. Yeah. He wanted it for the wrong reason. So God has a, we, God, we have a lot to do coming up. We have a lot to do coming in the next few years. And hopefully in the years until Jesus returns or we're off the planet, there's a lot to do. And God wants to use you. Let's just make sure our heart is right so that God can use us. 
We're going to see this in the book of Nehemiah coming up. We're going to see how God has used him, a man with a heart for God, to rebuild walls. And it's miraculous what actually happens. I can't wait to look at that again. It's miraculous. The time frame, the opposition, I mean, all of it. It's just just wonderful. And uh, I'm looking forward to looking at that. So how's your heart tonight? Got a heart for God? Yeah. I mean, you're here tonight. What a, what a joy that is. Yeah. But uh, can you look at your life and say, hey, I've I got to be honest with the Lord. I know there's a time when I've been closer. Would you just do this? This has kind of been a theme lately, the last few weeks. It just keeps coming up. Would you just make sure tonight that whatever it was that started pulling you away, that you'd ask God to show you what that is and kind of deal with that tonight. Let's get our hearts right, and uh, everything else will take care of itself. Father, I thank you tonight. Thank you that you use different people. Thank you you use people that from all different walks of life and abilities and, 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 and just talents and, and gifts that you give. You use everybody in here. Lord, you, everybody here, you have a, a role for them to play. But no matter how gifted they are, no matter how gifted in, in the ability we have, we need to first make sure our heart is right with thee. And Lord, if we've drifted at all, if there's an area where we've drifted, God, would you point that out, please? Would you reveal it? Would you show it? That we could get that right. Or that you change our heart. That you'd restore into us the joy of our salvation. Or that you'd cleanse us. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for what you're going to do. We'll ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand tonight just briefly. The instrument will play. And however the Lord has spoken to you tonight. Whatever he's talked to you about, just talk to him about it, would you? Whatever the Holy Spirit has talked to you about, would you talk to him? Brother Chuck Peace, would you close us in prayer tonight?